Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. I'm Rachel Hutchison, and I lead global social responsibility at Blackboard. I'm here today with Melissa Hackmeyer, Global Head of Employee and Community Engagement at Millipur Sigma, to talk about one of my favorite topics, employee volunteerism, which has really become an essential component of a company's CSR and employee engagement strategies. Melissa and I are going to dive into some of the best practices and lessons she's learned along the way that others can take back to their own programs and additionally provide some insights for nonprofits looking to engage with corporate volunteers. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Great. Thank you. So let's just start off a little bit by learning a little bit more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit more about Mila or Sigma? Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, I lead our employee and community engagement efforts at Millipore Sigma as part of our overall sustainability and social business innovation um, programming. And so that includes everything from our nonprofit partnerships and philanthropic investments to our Spark Employee Global Volunteer Program, as well as our science education programs, which feed into Spark. And that's, um, we have two science education programs, our Curiosity Cube and Curiosity Labs. And um, Millipore Sigma is the U.S. and Canada life science business of Mark KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. We have more than 26,000 employees and more than 55 manufacturing and testing sites worldwide. So we actually um, have a portfolio of more than 300,000 products that focus on scientific discovery, biomanufacturing, and testing services. So that is a pretty big imprint. I mean, here I am in a company with 3,600 people, and sometimes we think we're so big and complicated, but you have really a lot of reach. So you created Millipore Sigma's first ever global volunteer program. So can you talk about how you went about doing that and how you got people to buy in uh, to this vision of what you were creating? Yeah, sure. So we created Spark back in 2016. It was following the acquisition of Merck KGA, Darmstadt, Germany, of Sigma Aldrich. So we were combining companies. So the legacy EMD Millipore Corporation had about 10,000 employees, and the Sigma Aldrich Corporation at that time had about 10,000 employees. So combined organization of about 20,000 employees. Now we've obviously grown. But at the time, we really wanted to create a program that would unite employees in our shared commitment to giving back to the communities in which we live and work. And so we developed the Spark program really to unite employees. So we wanted to give back in terms of not just civic volunteer opportunities, but also really leveraging the skills and expertise of our employees to give back to the community. And so our Spark program was focused and is today focused specifically on science education and skills-based opportunities. So that's interesting that you did this when you had these two organizations that were coming together. And I know in my experience, whether it's philanthropy or it's volunteerism, there's this wonderful opportunity to bring people into community to engage with each other and to build connection to 
you know, purpose of the company to the brand to build employee engagement. I think that's a really wonderful, wonderful tool. So when you say Ignite employees, what do you mean specifically? Yeah, so we really wanted to, I mean, the idea around the skills-based volunteering and the science education is sparking curiosity in the next generation of scientists. So we know that when you are targeting students, um, when they are in their, the eight to 13 year old age range, that's really when the spark of curiosity happens in terms of science education and considering a future in a STEM field or STEM career. And so we really wanted to develop programming that was targeted toward that age range and leveraging our employees' skills and expertise to do so by bringing them into the classroom through our Curiosity Labs program, for example. And that way, those students get to interact with real-life scientists and see people who look like them in a, in a career, in a science career, that they could one day see themselves in. And so really... Um, engaging the students, but then also engaging the employees as well. So um, through Spark, we're really able to um, get employees, you know, out of the office, out of their everyday environment, interacting with each other, interacting with those in the community, team building, for example, and really, really move forward with that and interacting with the community in that way. Yeah, I believe in that so much. I'm actually on the board of an organi- a nonprofit organization called Common Impact that's all about skills-based volunteerism yeah. and how you take the, the needs of the corporate to get their people out and doing great things and investing in them while also meeting the needs of nonprofits. So so you engaged about 10,000 employees, which is pretty awesome. So can you share, some, what are the keys to rolling out what you did? And are there some lessons that you learned about how to get your people to participate when you have a, offer them a program like this. Because you yeah, know definitely. Has their jobs and their lives and they're busy. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's a process. So when we launched the program, we launched with a two-week long volunteer kind of initiation or launch um, where we had employees around the world volunteering during those two weeks. And then after that, it was meant to be, you know, an ongoing program where employees can volunteer at times that make sense for them. We did a number of different things to initiate this launch. So one was gain senior leadership buy-in. So, you know, we put together a proposal in terms of what we wanted, what we envisioned for the program, how it would work, how it would roll out, how we'd engage employees, and presented that to our senior leadership team for buy-in. And then once we secured that, we really looked at how we can empower employees to create events locally on the ground. And so what we did was we created employee-based Spark teams at our various sites around the world. And these are voluntary teams of employees, employees who either raised their hand to get involved or were nominated by site leadership. And they're the ones that, you know, are really at the heart of the program because they are the ones that are communicating with the local nonprofits or the local schools. They're organizing the events um, in their local communities. They're recruiting employees from their sites to participate. And so they are really able to, you know, drive drive this program. Without them, it wouldn't be possible um, given the, the large amount of locations and employees we have. We also provided a number of resources and materials to them to actually empower them to execute. Um, so we put together a volunteer guide detailing out, you know, what Spark is, 
what the roles and responsibilities are of Spark teams, example events, email templates that they could use to reach out to nonprofit organizations or school partners uh, and so forth, and really gave them the tools and kind of the framework to be able to execute. Yeah, that's great. I, I like to call that freedom within a framework, you know, give everyone kind of the structure and the ideas and they can run with it. Yep. So you have a lot of people and obviously mm-hmm. it's, you could, can't do this with, um, you know, index cards or an Excel spreadsheet. So talk a little bit about um, the role that technology has played in allowing you to do this and helping you do it to enable this, to track the, the engagement of your people and also to help you identify um, these vetted nonprofit partners that our uh, employees might work with. Yeah, the technology component is integral to making the program a success. So we actually use BlackBod's Your Cause platform for our volunteer portal. Um, so we call it the Spark Portal. And it allows our employees not only to go on and search for events that are offered in their local community, but also to create events. So our Spark Teams individual employees have the freedom to create the events and then recruit colleagues to join and and volunteer for the events. We offer 16 hours of paid time off for all of our permanent employees. And so that is managed and um, implemented directly through the portal. So an employee is signing up for an event that happens during work hours, they can then um, notify their manager. The manager can approve or deny their participation. And that's all captured right in the portal. In addition to that, I would say through the portal, we're able to report all of the data and metrics associated with our Spark program, um, which is obviously really important in terms of tracking the progress and making improvements on the program um, as a whole as we go. So talk a little bit about um, how you identify nonprofit partners out in the community. How do you vet them? What do you look for? Who does that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have nonprofit partners that we work with annually. Um, We have larger signature partnerships as well as localized partnerships around the world. Um, And so we as part of our partnerships, we tie volunteerism to that. So that's a component of all of our partnerships. So that's one. Um, another one is, you know, through the portal, when an employee is creating an event, there's an option to add a nonprofit partner to the event or, say, a local school. All the events are um, reviewed and approved by my team. So we're able to really see and, you know, vet and look at those nonprofit organizations or those school partners. And we're also able to, with that approval and review process, say, you know, yes, this is a great volunteer event, fits within our guidelines of what a volunteer event is, or no, this is sort of outside the scope of what we consider a volunteer event. And so then that won't get um, publicized within the portal. So are there certain guardrails that you're using when you're looking at what an employee is lifting up that would have you say, yeah, this is a great one or no, this isn't? What? How, how do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say, so the, the biggest example that comes up that's out of scope for us is, you know, if someone is running an, in a 5K or biking in a bike ride, we don't consider that as a volunteer event. But if they happen to be volunteering as um, 
helping with registration or handing out water, um, more of the organizational elements of that fundraising event, then that would be considered a volunteer event. So I would say that's, that's the most common. We sometimes get employees that create an event that's really just fundraising and that's outside the, of how we define volunteering. So it's typically those things where an individual person is doing an individual activity, not a broader. That's interesting. We've had to struggle with this a bit because of what we do um, as a business. We actually decided that the, the individual action, I understand what you're saying there, but we decided that fundraising did count because it was a fundamental organizational need. Mm. Um, but that was something we really had to think deeply about that. But we're like, you know, we value fundraising so much and we equip fundraising through our technology. So we, that was one of the tweaks we made. Um, we also made a, a tweak recently. I'm curious what you think about this, that during COVID, it was so much harder to get people out and volunteering. We used to have 90% of our people volunteering. Now we have 70 and I know it went down. I'm still proud of that number, but we, people couldn't go out. People couldn't engage in the same way. And there's only so much of the virtual that you can do, but we decided that, you know, like you you get tired of it. So we said acts of service to other people and non-charitable organizations actually also did count. So if you want to shop for your 90 year old neighbor, that's an act of service to another person that counts for volunteerism. So it was, I'm not sure how many others are doing that, but it was really embraced as being like super hyper local to what people were facing in that moment. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely struggled during the pandemic and with the virtual volunteering, um, we created a menu of options for mm-hmm. employees in terms of virtual volunteering. Many of them were associated with our regular partner organizations, but, you know, feedback that we heard was it's just different behind the screen volunteering as an individual versus with a group of colleagues and out in the community, um, in person, interacting with students who is, you know, mm-hmm. we typically work with students as our primary beneficiaries. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a real struggle in terms of that. So we're, we're excited to be back in person now. Yeah, it really reinforces what we didn't have for a period of time reinforces how much that when people go out to volunteer, yes, they want to individually help, but they want to do that in community with other people. They want to meet other people. They want to be exposed to others in their community. They, they want to sometimes develop skills that they're not developing, you know, sitting behind a computer. And it's really wonderful to be at a moment where some of us can go back out. But as a company that's very dispersed, we also have to have those opportunities where, you can just get online and do an event and meet somebody from Canada and Wisconsin and wherever, and you might not have met them otherwise through your regular travels and your work. So talk a little bit about the impact of the Spark program. What are the things that you're most proud of, you know, internally, externally, company culture, or for the organizations, the nonprofits that you've helped? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, like I've mentioned, uh, we, we focus on science education programming. And so we have our Curiosity Labs program, which is um, a program where we've developed basic science lessons in partnership with Washington University in St. Louis. We train mm-hmm. our employees on the lessons and then they go into classrooms and teach the lessons. They're all hands-on inquiry-based learning. Um, and then similarly, we have our Curiosity Cube program 
It's a retrofitted shipping container turned mobile science lab that oh, cool. travels around to schools and public events like science festivals. And each year we focus on a different theme. And so this year's theme is the microbiome. And so there's hands-on experiments inside all around the microbiome. And we've grown the programs significantly. So the Curiosity Labs program has been global um, since the start in 2016. Our Curiosity Cube program launched in 2017 with one cube, and now we have four cubes running. We just launched last month in Europe, two, two new cubes. And so really just to see the impact that those programs are having globally has been really exciting. And, you know, I can tell you from my own experience traveling around to different countries and um, being part of these events. It's so exciting to just see the kids put on their lab coats and their safety glasses and their gloves and really transform into scientists for the day. Just get really engaged and so, so excited. And a lot of times it's students that have never seen a microscope before um, or have never had the opportunity to experience hands-on science. And so that that has been really impactful um, just in terms of the the reach and the impact we've been able to have with the students. Yeah, that's wonderful. My, my kids went to a school for um, that embraced outdoor education and learning and the, the natural world around them. They actually um, at some point had a basically like a cube that was an outdoor shop where they were making things for an outdoor education leadership course. And it was really wonderful how, you know, some of those kids sitting in the classroom are not going to connect with the way chemistry, biology, physics are taught typically. But you take them into the outside world and to, into the I live in the South, so like into the swamp and you see see these, these, you know, things around you, it really brings them, you know, alive to them. And I can imagine that your people also really get a lot from that. Yeah. I mean, we've had employees come back to us to say, my day volunteering at the Curiosity Cube was one of the best days of my life. Or, you know, I'm so proud to work for a company that supports these kinds of programs and giving back to the community in this way. And, you know, that's really great to hear. And, you know, one of the main reasons why we do this. So do you, um, random question, but do you uh, align what you do to any sustainable development goal in particular, or you're just, it just happens to align? We, we do. I mean, so we at our, at the corporate level, we have a whole sustainability strategy that aligns to the SDGs. So education is um, definitely one of them. Um, we focused on science education and global access to science um, as part of our overall community engagement strategy because it aligns to our business. Yeah. And then it actually kind of like is almost matrixed across other SDGs because of the areas that you would touch on. Exactly. In it's almost yep. hard to figure out like exactly which one you're, you're in. So, um, as we kind of get toward the end of our conversation, I'd love to just ask you, given all the incredible experience that you've had, what advice do you have for other professionals like you who are looking to start or grow their employee volunteer, volunteerism programs? And then secondarily for nonprofits who are looking to engage with companies like you to get involved in these programs? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a few things and some that um, have already been mentioned, but I would say, you know, the senior leadership buy-in, but also manager buy-in and participation is really important. So, you know, we focus on um, obviously the senior leadership, but also the middle manager level. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that, you know, there's going to be people and managers that are 
always supportive from the beginning, but then others that just might not be aware, might not understand what it means and the impact it can have. And so thinking about different ways to educate and raise awareness for that level is really key. I'd also say employees want to get involved and they want to give back and really giving them the tools and the resource. And like we talked about earlier, the framework to do so helps them to then be empowered and take initiative to move things forward. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Before COVID hit, we were doing, and we're a much smaller company than you are, but we were doing about 120 team volunteer activities a year and really trying to encourage managers. And that middle layer is super important because you could have support from the top, but if the middle layer, who's the one the request is coming to, says, no, 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 we're too busy on a project, then that person might have a barrier in front of them to actually go and engage. And instead, what we want is the leaders to say, hey, let's go out and do something together. Let's go engage connect, do something good, get away from our desks. I know this work is important, but this is important too, because we're connect as a team, bond as a team, learn, and in our case, learn about our customers better. And it is important to take that time. So it's like you're trying to lift up all these great examples and then have their peers see, oh, you do that, I could do that. Kind of approaching it from all around the opportunity. Yeah. And we talk about it and also encourage it as a team building experience um, for sure. And also, I think thinking about from a global perspective, what's really important is understanding different cultural viewpoints in terms of volunteering. And so just talking to colleagues in different countries and from different cultures and understanding that not every culture views volunteering the same way we do here in the U.S., Yeah, that's true. I mean, I see that Blackboard has an imprint that's, you know, we have offices in different countries and employees in different places and not as extensively as you do. But, but, you know, there are places where you have to pay to go volunteer, to have a team volunteer. It's a very different um, mindset than the U.S. mindset. And so we're, you know, sometimes do we can't we find it's very hard for us to do something for everyone but we can do things that are North American based, things that are maybe UK based, things that are for different, just really not just because of time zones, but because things are different and wonderful opportunity when you can mix them. We had an event that we did where we had people from 11 different states, people from Canada, people from Costa Rica, and they were all mixing and learning from each other and about each other. And that was a really um, wonderful thing. So my last question for you is, Um, You shared some really great wisdom with us. If there are people who are listening to this who would like to follow you or learn more about what your organization is doing, where do they go to learn more? Yeah, great question. So um, you can go to uh, sigmaaldridge.com forward slash SSBI, and there you can find all information on our overall sustainability and social business innovation work, as well as our employee and community engagement work. And then... um, you know, for me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, so can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, me too. I love LinkedIn. It's a great place. I mean, people who do the kind of work that we do are always happy to meet each other and talk. Um, so that's great advice. And just, I know that that URL was kind of complicated, so we'll make sure that it's included in the notes when we send out the podcast. Sounds great. So I thank you so much, uh, Melissa, for joining us on the podcast today. It's great. Thank you so much for the good work that you're doing. You know, I was telling someone that an individual going out in the world and doing work, you know, him or herself is one thing, but when you can empower the impact of so many other people, just think about how great that is. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.
and to the SG Engage podcast. Listeners, I want to thank you for joining us again. I hope you got some great wisdom from this episode. This is Rachel Hutchison signing off.